Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. This is the Packers Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Packers Wire editor, Zach Cruz. So, Zach, some things never change. Huh? The Packers just seem to own the Chicago Bears, don't they? Yeah, yeah. An- another blowout win over the Bears. This is an important one for them. It, it, uh, it certainly puts them in the driver's seat for the NFC North title. Yeah, I don't know if that's really been in question over the last uh, maybe month or so. You know, the, the Bears are sliding pretty hard here. But, you know, Packers are now up three games with five to go. They, they do have one more left with the Bears. But they're in, they're in really good shape here. And, you know, now they have a real good shot of being the top seed in the NFC here, too. Yeah, definitely. I want to talk about that for sure. You know, I was I've been trying to talk up that week 17 thing in Chicago Packers Bears and trying to talk that up like it would be a big game but it's starting to feel like it just won't and the Packers just they left no doubt in this game man they were up by a million points right away Mitchell Trubisky came back and he really didn't give he didn't give the Bears any kind of spark or anything yeah. like that and man it's it's hard to believe the Bears were once five and one and on top of the NFC boy they yeah have, they have fallen they have plummeted yeah and this, this really was a big game you know obviously it was a big game for the Bears but Packers really couldn't afford to lose that game because that would have really tightened the division that you know I think it would have been a one game in between those two teams so yeah it was a, it was a big win for them you know they, they got up 31 points there the, the final score was definitely not indicative of how that game went out even more impressive for the Packers was just just how badly the Bears needed it. They were, you know, on a four-game losing right. streak. They needed to win that ball game. They didn't. And now uh, there's all kinds of problems going on in Chicago, but we'll let them deal with that. We'll let them have yeah, <laughs> That's their problem, not the Packers' problem. The Packers are rolling. And one thing that I – and you you guys wrote about this on the Packers' wire. I think it was you, Zach, that wrote about it. And I saw this on other sites as well. Green Bay just kind of killing it on third down. We saw it again in this ball game. The Packers convert their first five third downs. They were also really good on fourth down in this game. This is an area that they were not good at last season. And we could chalk it up to maybe a few things. Maybe, the, you know, everybody, including Aaron Rodgers, getting used to Matt LaFleur's offense and all that. But this year they're they're really killing it. Uh, on third down, they're one of the best teams in the league at it, right? And that continues. And what do you think's been the key there? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it is any one thing. I think um, you know they've been effective and efficient on first down. I think that's been really important. They've they've run the ball well. You know, Rodgers has been a lot more accurate overall. His completion percentage is up almost seven points this year. That's pretty incredible. So there's just been a lot fewer wasted downs. I think early on in downs, and then you know, I, like you said, I, I think it is just kind of a, a result of the the progression of the entire offense overall. You know, you see it every week. Rodgers is super comfortable. The scheme is refined. They're blocking guys up in the passing game you know just everybody's on the same page and i think they have found a bunch of good concepts that they can rely on when they get into these big third downs you know Devonte adams has been great and you, you look at sunday night they, they beat the bears with a few man coverage beaters on the, those first couple drives that they've used all year you know they ran for a couple first downs on third and short rogers had a good scramble so yeah i just think they're all on the same page everyone's really comfortable they, they found a bunch of things that they like and that they're good at and you know everyone's just executing really consistently regardless of the down now, Zach, you do a great job on the Packers wire. You put all these stories out there and you're, you're always kind of listing out, here's all the things that the Packers are killing teams, you know, the stats <laughs> where they're, that kind of show how much they're crushing teams right now, Aaron Rodgers and all this. And I think this is my, this might be my favorite stat. This is why I wanted to, you know, kind of talk about this topic a little bit today. No team has averaged more yards per play on 
third down than the Packers this year. 8.1 yards per third down in 2020. That is freaking ridiculous. I mean, I'm sure there's some bombs in there. I'm, I'm sure Rodgers hit like Devontae for a bomb or something on or MVS or someone on, on a bomb for a couple of those to kind of maybe inflate that number a little bit because 8.1 yards per third down. That is a staggering yeah. stat. That, that might be one of the favorite it, ones I've seen. Yeah, it's a staggering stat, and it's crazy when you compare it to last year because they were at, I think, 5.4 yards per third down play last year, and they just, you know, they, they've gotten so much better. I, I think, the like you said, the deep passing game has been really good. They've went to that a bunch on third down. They've been in a lot of those third and, you know, three and four where, you know, the defense is lining up for runs, and they're, they're hitting guys over the top. So, yeah. You know, they've they've created a bunch of chunk plays. You know they're converting on third downs. A lot of a lot of good things. It's it, it's been a great year for writing about stats for the Packers because they just you know they're they're doing a lot of good things this year. What do you like most about the way the offense maybe attacked the Bears? The Bears have a good defense. They that's the only thing they've got going. Their offense has been a freaking disaster over there. But their defense has been tough. No team has really scored on the Bears. It was interesting. I know they got a they got a couple turnovers to help, but you know the, the Packers were really moving the football from the jump there, and they put a ton of points on the board. You just don't see teams doing that to the Bears. Even in Matt Nagy's tenure over there, they don't really get blown out too often. So to see the Bears get blown out and to see them give up that many points was was a little staggering. I think it is really a testament to the Packers and and just how well they're playing right now. What do you like most about maybe specifically what they did to the Bears D, uh, Zach? Yeah, I really liked what they did early on in that game. They were uh, they were running a bunch of these jet motion plays, and I, I think they knew that Akeem Hicks was probably wasn't going to play because you look at that game plan early on, and they were just running the ball down the Bears' throats early on, and you know that set up a bunch of play action stuff, and it just kind of snowballed on the Bears. It kind of seemed like you know Matt Lafleur is one step ahead of them the the entire game, and you know Rodgers played well. He he threw three touchdowns on play action on um, play action passes. So yeah, I, I think this was you know. You build an offense and you have a vision for it. I think this was kind of the vision they have for it. You know, they they, they split the carries between Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, 17 apiece, and they ran for, I think, over 160. And like I said, they, they hit a bunch of play action stuff. So, yeah, I think this is exactly how Matt LaFleur wanted it to work. And, you know, they, they really operated it to perfection early on against the Bears. Oh, no doubt. Play action's working. Rodgers continues to never get sacked. He's getting my guy, Big Bob. Another nice <laughs> touchdown pass down the seam. They He's always sneaking down the seam, Zach. They can't cover that yeah. thing. Losing Big Bob in traffic. I like it. So, yeah, there's not much to complain about. And, man, yeah, I'm not. should I be surprised that Matt LaFleur outcoached Matt Nagy? No, I don't think I'm going to be surprised no. about that. So, <laughs> a, a, as you mentioned, Zach, uh, the Packers are, are right there. They have a shot for the number one seed in the conference. It's going to be a fun little race between them and the Saints. That's kind of how it's setting. It's kind of setting up to be a two-team race. Let's talk about that a little bit more coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit em, start em. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk strong plays for week 13 of the fantasy football season. Quarterback Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Cousins has really picked up his play of late, and he gets a star receiver Adam Thielen back in the lineup after one week off due to COVID-19. Only the Dallas Cowboys have given up more passing touchdowns in 2020 than the Jaguars. Jacksonville is hardly a threat to pick off a pass, and the yardage against them is fifth in the NFL. Factor in Dalvin Cook, and Jacksonville's defense will be spread too thin. New England Patriots running back Damian 
Damian Harris at the Los Angeles Chargers. All seven rushing touchdowns against the Bolts have come since week seven, and the position has yielded seven different performances of at least 60 yards in that time. There have been eight double-digit PPR efforts over that period as well, and Harris has a chance to rebound after a couple of weeks with lukewarm results. New York Jets wide receiver Brashad Perriman versus the Las Vegas Raiders. In Perriman's last five games, scattered over seven weeks thanks to injuries and a bye, the well-traveled veteran has generated at least 10.2 PPR points four times. Since Week 9's breakout game against the Pats, Perriman has produced with both Joe Flacco and Sam Darnold at quarterback. Las Vegas has given up a wide receiver touchdown every 12.3 completions, and just 10 teams have given up more yards to the position in 2020. And at tight end, Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings will pick on the Jaguars one more time. As mentioned, Thielen returns to balance out this offense. The matchup is a major plus as well, and the Jaguars have granted tight ends four touchdowns in the last five games. The volume has been low, which, unlike Week 12 for Rudolph, has been the norm all season long. And that's fine. You're only playing him as a flyer to get into the end zone, and he can be used as a stack with Kirk Cousins in redraft and DFS action in Week 13. So, Zach, what do you think about this little playoff race between the Saints and the Packers? It's really interesting because the Packers do hold that tiebreaker, so all they got to do is get even with the Saints. The Saints are sitting there at 9-2, and two, the Packers at 8-3. and three. The Saints got a game with Kansas City coming up in a couple weeks, so we're going to be watching that one for sure. I yep. saw online, uh, it was this website, I don't know how reputable it is, playoffstatus.com <laughs> gives the Saints a 60% chance to finish as the number one seed. But like I said, they got a, they got some tough games, and I think this game at Atlanta for them could be even a trap game for them. That's a rivalry game on the road. Atlanta just put a complete whooping on the Raiders. That thing was ridiculous. Still can't believe yeah. that score. So uh, I don't know. I kind of like the Packers. I think there's a nice little path for them to the number one seed. We've been talking about it. But if they keep playing football like they are and they could finish at 12 and four, you know, I think they got a real shot yeah. to be tied with New Orleans at the end and maybe overtake them for that bye, which is going to be huge. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think I think 12 and four feels really likely for the Packers. And then, you know, if that happens, you need the Saints to lose two games, obviously. So you look at the schedules, you said the Chiefs, you know, that's going to be a really tough game. They do have them at home. But, you know, if they lose that game, that puts them on a path. And you were talking about the Falcons. I think that's going to be another tough game. And then they play. They also play the Vikings at home. And, you know, I think the Vikings could give the Packers a big assist because they played the Saints tough, you know, for several straight years. They're not obviously the same team they've been in the past couple of years, but they've always played the Saints tough. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, the Packers are going to need to get some help. I, I, I do think they have a couple tough games. We mentioned they have to go to Chicago in Week 17. That's maybe not as hard as a game as it looked uh, here recently. And then, you know, they bring Derrick Henry and the Titans to Lambeau Field for Week 16. You know, that's the potential loss I probably see for the Packers out of these last five. So, yeah, I do think, um, you know, both these teams could finish at 12-4. and four. And then if, if they do, the Packers are going to get the number one seed because they have that head-to-head win. I, I feel like Packers fans are looking at that Titans game coming up down the road and just having nightmares that, about after watching their a, run defense over the years. That's a scary game, you know. Yeah. David David Montgomery on that second play from scrimmage, uh, even on Sunday night, he had a big hole to run through. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even want to imagine what would happen if uh, Derrick Henry is running through holes like that. Yeah, but it, this is another stat too, and it goes with the Packers' schedule, and it, it speaks volumes because the Titans are a good team with a with a nice record. The Packers' opponents have a combined twenty four thirty and one record, and uh, three of the final five games at home. So you you got to like the Packers' chances. Uh, there's definitely a path there. The Packers made a move 
Zach. They signed Tavon Austin. He's been kind of a journeyman uh, receiver. Yeah. He's kind of splashed more on special teams. I think he had a couple good years with the Rams, right, early in his career, but he never really caught on as like a stud receiver, but he's definitely a good special teams player, a guy you can maybe run some of these jet sweeps and kind of gadget yep. plays with receivers. The Packers move on from Darius Shepard, who I think has been struggling, to put it lightly, yeah. and they bring yes. in Tavon Austin. So what do you think about this move, and you know, what do you think about the fit with Austin? Yeah, I think it's actually a really good fit. Um, you know, he fits this this jet motion offense that's kind of um, taken over the NFL side. So yeah, I think this is a good spot for him. Yeah, I, I think it's easy to see this move is, you know, more maybe Tyler Irvin insurance because they've really liked him in that role. But, you know, I, I think they can use Tavon as a punt returner. He's got, you know, three touchdowns on punt returns in his career. The Packers haven't returned one for a touchdown since 2014. So, you know, maybe he can give him a big spark there, maybe split some reps um, with the jet motion stuff on offense. And then, you know, it, it really just is a big upgrade on Darius Shepard, who, you know, wasn't good enough, not fast enough, not reliable enough, probably for the role that he was, he was doing behind Tyler Irvin. So I don't think the Packers thought they could be one injury away from Tyler Irvin from being that bad at uh, returner. So, yeah, Tavon's got some speed, some big playability. I think LaFleur's going to be able to find him a role in that offense. And, yeah, I, I do think he fits in multiple ways. They're going to be able to get him on the field. And, you know, I'm just kind of excited to see what he, he can do. They don't you – know, they have a, a deep threat in MVS, but they don't have that kind of quick twitch, you know, slot, gadgety guy that, you know, they can use in different ways. So I, I'm not sure if he's going to be a game changer, but I, I definitely think he's a big upgrade on Shepard. He's a good fit in the offense and, you know, maybe a, a big upgrade on special teams too. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think the first thing I thought of when I saw the headline that they had signed him was special teams. But you, you're actually – now listening to you kind of break it down, I'm starting to think like we might, and, and I, we're all guessing right now, but I think you're, you're starting to wonder, like maybe we'll see him more on offense than I maybe was anticipating. I thought he'd be more special teams, but you think there'll be a role yeah, for him? Yeah, I do think there could be a role for him. Just I think he fits the offense so well. I mean, the, the jet motion hasn't really been a thing too much in the NFL since you know he's entered in, in 2013, and now it's a big deal. And you know he's great for that role because he's fast, he's quick. You know he can he can do those handoffs and get him into space and do some. Stuff stuff with him and you know defense is going to have to respect that speed and when he's coming in motion so yeah I do think he's a great fit on offense I, I do think they like Tyler Irvin in that role too so it'll be interesting to see how they split those reps up you've been calling for a receiver Zach you you, you know we talked about Michael yeah. Gallup you've wanted them to add a receiver so I think Matt LaFleur <laughs> finally listened to you that's good this this wasn't really the receiver I was thinking but <laughs> right. it, it makes a lot of sense and yeah I, like I, I will say Kenny Stills is still out there he still yes. hasn't been signed so you know that that's pretty interesting to me too is you know maybe another deep threat slash you know upgrade on MBS even so yeah he might end up with the Saints though you never know there could be a little reunion there so that could yeah, be interesting. Yeah. The, the Saints had a receiver the Packers do and like we said this is a it's kind of a race right now for the number one seed I'm gonna be for sure I, I can't wait to see how that plays out the Packers kind of face a struggling team this week the Eagles they look like crap Zach let's talk about them coming up next <laughs> It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. We're breaking down the Monday night football game between the San Francisco 49ers and Buffalo Bills. The 49ers come in as two-and-a-half-point underdogs as the official home team in this. They have minus 106 odds. The Bills, minus 115 odds to win by a minimum of three points. Jeff, do the Bills continue to roll through 2020, or are the 49ers back on track? 
Oh, for sure. I'm on the Bills to win by more than a field goal here. Josh Allen could stretch the 49ers defense more so than Jared Goff could last week. And I think this Bills defense is trending up and it's going to do a good job against the 49ers rush and make Nick Mullins beat them in the air. I think the 49ers are back on track that they're getting healthy. The, the running game looking strong. The defense coming on as well. Kyle Shanahan's squad fighting for a playoff spot. I think they make it back-to-back and beat the Bills back the 49ers plus 2.5. Zach, I did want to get into this Packers-Eagles game, but I don't know how much meat is really on that bone. The, the Eagles just don't look like they're very good, and I don't know if they're going to win another game, to be honest. I definitely don't think they're going to beat the Packers at Lambeau Field. Not a chance. But... We're talking on Wednesday night here up for the podcast. We're recording on a Wednesday night. There was just a football game. And uh, Roger Goodell spoke during halftime. He kind of talked about, hey, hey, we feel like our protocols are working. We're going to finish the regular season on time. We're, we're, we're pushing ahead, right? But really, this week was a little nutty, right? Started on Thanksgiving yeah. with that game getting postponed. And we got all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Like the Cowboys having a 12-day layoff. They play on Thanksgiving. They're not going to play again until next Tuesday night. The Saints, we're talking about the playoff race. The Saints basically get handed a win. I don't think the Broncos are going to beat them anyway, but the Broncos have to play them with a freaking practice squad receiver at quarterback. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's just like unbelievable. And then the Ravens and all this stuff, their schedule's messed up. The Steelers' schedule's got to be messed up as well. It just feels like we've kind of hit the tipping point with COVID. It's not slowing down nationwide, right? And... I'm starting to get worried. I just can't help it. You know, I I just feel like this week was a little nutty, a little weird. And, you know, maybe it was a little funny, like Kendall Hinton from the Broncos. That was kind of a funny story, right? Watching him run around. But at the end of the day, it is scary, isn't it? Like, I'm I'm starting to wonder, man. Like, we're getting to the point where we should be concerned. Yeah, I I think we're starting to see some cracks in whatever the NFL's plan was for getting this this season finished. I mean, I think we just have to accept here as we get into December that the competitive balance of the league is going to take a backseat to just getting to the finish line, which, you know, for better or worse, I think that. NFL does want to avoid, you know, having to do that week 18 scenario or pushing everything back. So they're, you know, they're prioritizing getting these games in over everything else. Even if, you know, a wide receiver has to play quarterback or they have to delay the game a week or, or whatever. So this next couple of weeks are, you know, they're going to be telling me, I think you, know, you wake up every morning, you're anticipating seeing a couple of teams that, you know, have all these tests and you don't know where it's going to go. But I don't, and I don't know how reasonable this would be, but, you know, maybe the NFL considers once we get through the regular season, if it finishes you know, in, implementing some kind of bubble. I don't know how they could pull it off for the playoffs, but, you know, some kind of bubble where you're protecting these teams that make it and just get through it. So, I don't know. It, it is scary. I, I think we're seeing some cracks. Uh, you know, th- this last week, there there was some crazy stuff going on. We, we knew it was going to be crazy. Yeah, we knew it was going to be crazy at some point this year, but, you know, I don't even think we could have anticipated what happened this past week. So, I'm nervous for this last month, for sure. Sure, yeah. No, I mean, we'll see if this is the peak crazy or if it gets a little, mm-hmm. if it if it gets even wilder but you know you're so right zach a game got delayed a week it was supposed to get played on a thursday night we just it just got played on a wednesday so almost seven days later and it counts and it's counts and the regular season just continues on only the nfl could figure that thing out that is just yeah there's just there's just so little wiggle room for them now that they you know they had to do that they had to delay it you know six seven days just to get it in so yeah the nfl the nfl's up against it now they gotta they kind of gotta hope and pray that this thing gets finished yeah i think that's been the plan all along just pray Mm -hmm. that's been the plan but okay so packers favored by eight and a half at home against the eagles the over under is at 47 
Uh, the Eagles, like we kind of mentioned, looked terrible again against the Seahawks. It was kind of a close game for some reason. That's just the way Seattle <laughs> is playing right now. Phillies, they, they had to win the, their last couple of weeks because of they, they wanted to stay in the NFC East race, Zach, and they've, they've kind of fallen off. And at this point, I'm like, why the hell is Carson Wentz still getting all the reps, right? Like, they keep saying that they're going to they're gonna scale it back and, I don't know, Jalen Hurts, like, get him in there. But it's it hasn't happened. When the hell is Philly going to, like, take him out of the lineup and try something different? And is there anything on Philly's side of the ball that scares you if you're the Packers? Yeah, first of all, it was it was really tough watching Carson Wentz play quarterback on Monday night. You know, he just, he just, he just looks like a broken quarterback. He almost resembles to me um, – David Carr from back in his days with the Texans, you know, Good one. just getting hit and sacked so many times. And now he looks tentative. Like the game is just moving way, way too fast for him. So yeah, he's really struggling. I don't think the Eagles are a good football team at all. It's amazing that they're still in the playoff race, but I will say that, that their defensive line does concern me a little bit. You know, they have like five or six guys, I think that can, you know, rush the quarterback and disrupt some things. So I think that that's going to be a great matchup to watch on Sunday. Um, that Packers offensive line against that defensive line. I'd say the Eagles, Eagles probably need to win that matchup decisively to to be in this game. And I will say on offense, I think they're getting back Zach Ertz. And you look back at the game that they played last year, and the Eagles really killed the Packers actually with a bunch of two tight end stuff. So you know we'll see. It's this is definitely a game the Packers should win. Um, Carson Wentz is playing so bad; you can't lose to a quarterback playing that bad. And the, the Eagles just don't have a whole lot on offense. So yeah, this this is a game the Packers should win at home. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look at you got Rodgers versus Wentz. I mean, come, I think mm-hmm. Rodgers is in. We talk about a two-team race for the number one seed in the playoffs or the in the NFC, but I think Rodgers and Mahomes are kind of in a two-man race for the MVP now. Like, they've kind of separated, yeah. right? And and that's what it is. So you got Rodgers, who might be the freaking MVP against Wentz, who, yeah, like you said, he, he doesn't know what to do, Zach, unless he's t- just running the ball and running for his life at this point. Yeah, so. it, it was amazing how many – I mean, they, they kind of hammered him on that broadcast just how many times he wasn't throwing to open receivers on the field. So yeah. you, don't, you don't see that very often on a broadcast especially you know uh, Greasy is a former quarterback and he was just tearing into Wentz so yeah Wentz is not he is not playing very well and you know like you said Rodgers he's an MVP candidate you know him and Mahomes they're gonna they're gonna take this down to the stretch uh, neither of them can really probably afford a bad performance if they want to win it this year it, it will be nice to see like Zach Ertz or anyone on the Eagles that I've heard of catching the ball Zach so that, that'll be fun at least on Sunday like at least somebody I've heard of like all these random ass receivers that Wentz is trying to throw to that, that's been interesting yeah. over there in Philly man I don't know what's going on over it, there with the personnel yeah the the Eagles' second leading receiver, Travis Fulgham, is a guy that the Packers cut after like five days in training camp. <laughs> there you so go. that pretty much tells you where the Eagles are at this year. He's Zach Cruz. Join us next week on the Packers Wire podcast. This USA Today Sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.